Mike Cast at UK Games Expo 2023. With me, as always, we have my co-host, Peter Allison. Hey, how you doing? How you right. doing? This is Peter. So, Pete, another year, another UK Games Expo. Yeah. Yeah, super busy yesterday. Although, to be fair, we only met up last week. Which yeah. is weird. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're seeing too much of each other at the minute. Too. Yeah, we only do about like once a year here at UK Games Expo. Well, we did but formats. We did format we last did format. week. And which then we did this. Yeah, which was experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, UK Games Expo. Um, awesome to be back. One of my favourite conventions. Absolutely. Uh, I love this place. Um, I actually preferring it today because it's not as busy. It was absolutely hammered yesterday. It was claustrophobic. Yeah, it was, it was, claustrophobic. It was slightly claustrophobic yesterday. Uh, and not that I'm, it's not like super busy. Uh, and apologies for all the noise going on in the background. They've got um, some awards going on. So that's where all this cheering and stuff is going on. And it's for us. It's just for us. Uh, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a bag, I had a backpack and I had a tripod and I had a heavy camera and everything and so when you've got lots of people like filing around and knocking into you on a regular basis it, it's not it's not a super enjoyable Your irritation levels with that yeah yeah it's just like trying to be cool about yeah, the situation it was i mean we're walking around today and we were seeing things we hadn't seen the other day just because it was that busy and like crowds were obscuring the stands and i mean it wasn't so much the organizers fault other than in terms of placement, but it was just that busy. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was hammered. It was like we walked in, like I walked in today. Um, you could tell it was slightly less busy, and there was like things I didn't see that yesterday. I didn't see that yesterday yeah. because obviously there were so many people around that you couldn't see all the different booths and stuff. So we had a bit of we had a better sort of kind of walk around today. We got talking to a lot of people. And um, yeah, we did it. We had a different tack this time around. So last year we did a uh, thing where we sort of we picked like ten people yeah. and we did interviews, and um, it was really nice talking to them. But like people just weren't interested in the interviews. So you know, you'll, you'll check them out on our, our YouTube. It's you know good interviews. It's just people weren't really sort of kind of engaging with them. Um, also, a lot of background noise there, yeah. and it was very short interviews. Only about ten minutes maximum, so you could grab the time with that person and yeah. then let them get back to their job but so we uh, we had a different sort of kind of game plan this time around so we went around and we talked to loads of people pete has a wallet this thick full of, of cards yeah that, we, that we've got so we basically got a load of people coming on we're going to try and get the guys from the war and terror on we're going to try and get the gygaxes on yeah Luke, Luke and uh, Gygax. Uh, uh, yeah yeah his wife who's really interesting eddie webb from onyx path is yeah going to come on. eddie webb uh, we had an awesome chat with him uh, in the witherspoons today you know yeah. massive transformers fan so that massive, was really, yeah, yeah, yeah he knows his transformers uh, stuff, we talked to the guys in osprey we talked to the guys at rebellion we talked to the guys uh Modifius, um, we talked to uh, one of their um, lead. What was his job title? Brand manager at yeah. Modifius, yeah. Uh, Shep, uh, and also runs Gaia Complex as well. Yeah, so it's like an RPG uh, that he's, he's yeah, sort of going to do. It's an RPG developer and brand manager for Modifius. Completely separate jobs, but very much in the same industry. Talk to the guys at Nightfall Games, oh, which yes. are pleasures always. Yeah, Jared and Dave, you've been on the podcast before. And uh, they've got some fantastic stuff. I mean, their Stokerverse role-playing game is literally a work of art. They were talking us through how they created the parchment effect on the um, paper by literally using um, tea bags 
and just using that sustained paper, really? scanning it in, right. and then using that as the background for the text. I mean, that is the level of detail these guys go into. And actually, being to into one point I went to ask, told you about was that the art quality oh, of so role playing games so has good. really come to the yeah, fore. Yeah. And you can really tell here now, where before you could have like an AFL book with like just pages of text, now it needs to be pretty. It needs to be like, you know, artistically done. Yeah, I said to you yesterday, it's like, there's a lot, a lot of these sort of RPGs and even the ones I've seen around today. And it's like, I would happily just have them on my bookshelf to look at. Yeah. Not, you know, not even like, if I don't, I've got a lot, I've got, I've got a lot of game systems. I play a lot of different types of games. So even if I didn't get a chance to sort of kind of play the game, just the fact that they've got these beautiful, beautiful pages, lo lovely art, something just to flick through and have a, like, a look at. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something Free League do. Uh, Free League games, are, their approach has always been to get approach game books as art books. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially the case with uh, Tales from the Flood and um, Things from the Flood games. So Tales from the Loop, Things from the Flood games, which literally started out life as art books. Yeah, yeah. Then it became game, they became a TV series, and then became a role-playing game. And the quality of the art, it's beautiful. It literally is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really nice. Um, and uh, I, I'm slightly mindful. I'm going to go behind the camera here for a minute. I keep on talking there, Pete. <laughs> Just to make sure I press the button, I have pressed the button. I have this, I have this thought. That's like, I have that, I have that sort of thing. I was like, I'm on nearly 100% sure that I pressed the record button. But then when we were talking, it's like, did I? I did I press? Did I press record? So this is like, yeah. And I'm kind of hoping the audio is going to be okay because there is a lot of clapping going on in the background. There's a lot of sort of kind of people chit chat, but hopefully. Yeah, there's a lot of background noise here. With our, with our, with our, our lapel mics, they should, they should be okay. Audio should hopefully be okay. But it will be okay. Yes, yes. But yeah, um, they uh, obviously Warhammer Games Workshop were here in force. They had this massive Terminator, oh, uh, ten foot tall. Yeah, <laughs> easily massive. Uh, obviously promoting tenth edition forty k. Really? Tenth edition forty k. Tenth edition forty k. Wow. Yeah. Um, I so still got Rogue Trader. Yeah. So they they're out uh, in force. Um, obviously you had Mantic here. You had a lot of the big names were here. Yeah. Um, lots of new stuff. It was good to sort of generally just walk around, and this is the one thing I like about UK Games Expo, is that there's a lot of independent games and stuff that sort of kind of you walk around and you don't see. Like you go to a convention, like if you were to go to MCM, and don't, I don't mind MCM and stuff, but you see the same thing over and over and over again, and it gets a bit sort of boring. Whereas here, there's always change. Like you do have some of the same companies and stuff, but because games are always evolving, there's always different ones coming out. It's I would also argue that, given like you know, the confined, the logistical nature of only having so much stuff in a typical local board, uh, game shop, you see a lot more games that are coming out now. Where before you go to a game shop, you see Warhammer, you see, you know, Infinity, but here you see so many more different options that are out there. War and Terror, for example, just completely successful Kickstarter now. Yeah. And yeah, that's looking fantastic. Um, yes, yeah, so many fantastic games. And uh, 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 one that I saw, um, there's a game called Kingmaker that um, I used to play as a kid with my father. Like one of the first ever war games that I can remember. And I would have easily been five, six years old. And my, I remember sort of having, um, I remember having sort of like a, a family games day and it was like 
you know, my mom would want to play Ludo or Snakes and Ladders or things like easy games where my dad's like, no, bring out the war games and stuff. And so he brought out um, Kingmaker. And I just have these like this, these vivid memories of playing that game. And they've got a new edition of it, Kingmaker the Second. And uh, they've got it. Um, uh, uh, what was Gib the Gibson games? Gibson games, yeah. yeah. So they sort of they moved away because they used to do. So the lady was saying, so they used to do these those sort of board games, but then moved into like jigsaw puzzles yeah. and things like that. And now they're trying to get back. They're, they're digging back into their archives yeah. now and trying to roll that out again. So seeing what else. Oh, look. Uh, other options to have in their archives yeah, yeah, to yeah. kind of like remake new edition and also it's not just a recreation of the game but also a streamlining of the rules and updating the rules like it's been 40 years since that game was released yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know mechanically wise gameplay wise things have advanced a lot in that time yeah, yeah. so kind of like bringing out that kind of fact that you could be stuck in Cornwall for about eight hours <laughs> that's my sort of game it takes yeah. forever, you know, it goes on forever, so yeah, yeah, that's, so yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to buy anything, but, but for the sake of the, for nostalgia, I, I have to, um, and they've got a deal, so it's £10 long, it's £10 Ooh. cheaper if you buy it now. <laughs> so it's a deal, you get a good deal. I mean, I've got my eyes on um, Escape from the Dark Sector, which has that kind of um, real 1980s, uh, fighting fantasy pen and ink aesthetic yeah, yeah. and it just looks so cool like I remember playing those games I still have a lot of fondness for those games so I think Escape the Dark Set is going to be slipping to my bag at some point yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really mindful about the uh, the uh, the awards that are going on in the background with the uh, the on, on the tabletop guys <laughs> we probably picked the worst place the only reason we're here is sort of because it's it's quiet. Well, that's, that's quite, it was quiet. It was quiet. It was quieter here because obviously everywhere else is got like there's there's you're going to be in the way. So we thought, oh, we'll come to the back. You yeah, know, you get corner. a bit. Of, you get a bit of a view here, and then as soon as we set up, they're like, we're having our wards, and I'm like, oh no, yeah. that's going to be awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, like the point of the aspect, like in context of the scale of you can games, I this is just one hole. Oh yeah. There's another two. Yeah, yeah. On the other side. Yeah, so you have, um, so this hall here, you've hall got, two. so you've got all the, they've got like cosplayers in the bag, you've got a bit of food, you've got uh, uh, the table, uh, on the tabletop guys over here, who used to be Beasts of War, if you sort of kind of remember, uh, and then you've got sort of more your independents yeah. and your sort of tra traders. That, the family zone there for families, yeah. with like lots of really inclusive here. Um, and you've got, got your gaming center over here, which is like where all the tournament games are Yeah, played. that's in Hall 1 on the other side. X-Wing, you've got Armada. Magic. You, magic, you've got a bit of everything going yeah, on. Yeah, Booky War Games, I've always got like the yeah. 40k tournament. And on that hall over there, you've got, you've got all the role-play games, the big names, you've got Modifius, um, Free League, all that stuff. So much good stuff. So much uh, good stuff. It's it's very hard. <laughs> I have no doubt you say this every time we come to one of these. It's hard to go here with a wallet and not sort of uh, go ooh. But there's a trick thing. to that. You leave your credit card behind. Yeah, I've been I've been very good recently just yeah, because yeah. I've I've been trying to sell. I, I'm trying to um, restrict the amount of games I've got. Um, because I am a bit of a board game magpie, so uh, you're a holder. Yeah, so I'm just like I, I need to stop because I'm not playing any of these games. So I'm only recent Kingmaker. It's a it's a it's nostalgia. Even if I don't play it, it's something I played as a kid, and I feel like you know I can appreciate it and stuff. 
Um, but yeah, I, I've tried my best. There are, there are some beautiful games around and stuff, but I've uh, I've restrained myself. Remarkably. I know I have. I've restrained myself. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, we've got talking to Mark Naylor from Naylor Games, who's recently acquired Inside the Box and their IP following their various Kickstarter escapades, where basically they bankrupted themselves. Yeah. It was a real mess. I'm going to say that you know, as diplomatic as it was, became an absolute mess, and the game Inside the Box essentially folded, went bankrupt, went to the creditors, and they had a closed business process while well, well, they auctioned off the company. Mark Naylor and Naylor Games won, acquired the assets and it was basically, essentially, almost a loot box of, right, what have we got? Mm. And yeah, so basically they're, they're currently going through like the, the Google Drive and the full inventory of like what they have, what they don't have. And now basically working at how to get all the products that they have to the people that back the projects. And basically that's gonna be at cost essentially. So basically the, the, the backers will be then approaching, listen, do you want to pay for shipping? We, we're not making any profit on this. This is just like goodwill. Like no, pay the shipping, we'll send it to you, that's it, done. Yeah, yeah. But then they'll be kind of, let's see where we can go from here. But yes. I'm having a bit of a bad run of Kickstarter stuff at the minute, and it's generally tech. So there's there's um, there's a couple of tech ones that I've backed for like a GPS thing for my dog, which hasn't come through. Ooh. Apparently it's being delivered, but people are getting it and saying it's shit. Which, uh, my experience, I'm just not going to buy kit, kit, uh, tech yeah. from Kickstarter. I've got a, a it's been be like a credit card sized um, SSD, four terabyte SSD. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like a really good idea, especially for like, you know, cameras and it's got a Bluetooth thing and everything. I was like, again, that still hasn't come through. Uh, it's been years and you, they just have gone. There's a, a um, <laughs> there's a resin model called uh, Moloch, which was done by, uh, they used to be called, um, what were they called? Um, oh. It's names. It's the names. I'm gonna find them. I'm gonna find them on my on my on my Kickstarter. I'll, I'll find them now. But basically, I, I backed it 300 and 350 quid ages ago. Yeah. Um, they they shipped like half of them to people. I didn't get mine. I thought, oh, mine will come eventually. And then they said, oh, we've had a problem with our we've had a problem with our um, the guys who do our resin. We're sorry, but if you want, we can give you uh, your money back, or you can have something else. I was like, yeah, I'll just, you know, they've got some good models. I'll have something else. So I asked for, like, what, what have you got? Nobody got back to me. Months later, nobody still, I, I messaged again, nobody got back to me. Um, months again, nobody got back to me. Regular sort of kind of what's going on, guys. And then I got a message on, like, Christmas Day, basically saying, oh, oh we're sorry, um, just give us a list. We've got some uh, Green Stuff World stuff you can have, or all this thing, just let us know. And I said, well, I've got about 350 quid's worth of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm into sort of like um, um, the Middle Earth strategy battle game at the minute. You do that from your yeah. shop. Can, can I have some of that? And then their Facebook page disappeared, Ooh. and uh, nobody's heard from them since. And uh, it's yeah, I'm, not, I'm raging. Good. That's a lot of money going yeah. down the drain. I'm, I'm raging. But the annoying thing is, they had some really beautiful models, and they had I, I backed them for years. I've done their Kickstarters for years, and they just suddenly disappeared and have stopped replying to people, have messaged them. 
Um, we understand that shit happens. We understand that these well, things happen. But this is different than like yeah. literally just going dark and you know, yeah. So it's it's a lot of money to be to missed. And um, I, I I am going to name and shame them now. But uh, I'm just trying to find the uh, the thing, which is here we go. Kickstarters, my many Kickstarters that are. Uh, got print. So we've. Got, uh, oh, attention. Sorry. Wow, that is a really loud announcement. That that's one to make sure they got the announcement out. Yeah, that that's definitely. You know, you get announcements and it's like nobody can hear it. That's a very loud announcement. And that's you, one you cannot. Yeah, not I'm hear. pretty confident you heard that. Um, all right, yes. Yeah, so the one that didn't come through is uh, uh yes it is Moloch there yes and it was by Tago Collectibles. Ooh. And unfortunately those gents uh they're based in Italy I bet I backed loads of their models before I've got loads of stuff loved them and they've just disappeared and it's really upsetting. Yeah. It's really annoying. Absolutely I mean uh, it's a lot of money yeah. and it's, it's I mean I was gone. raging I mean I backed Cryptex from Inside the Box Games three years ago. Yeah. And then they got increasingly obtuse updates. As yeah, it's coming, don't worry, don't worry, it's coming, it's coming. And then it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and then it's coming, it's coming. We promise you it's coming. Then it's, I'm really sorry, but we are now in, in discussions with the creditors. And let's see, that's one of those things you have to understand. And it's like, when you do a Kickstarter, you are not confirmed. Nope. You're not, you, you can not lose your money. It is, in theory, a, a gamble. Yeah. Because there's no, Kickstarter don't have to, other than kind of, you know, try and get them to sort of provide it, the product for you. But if they say, sorry, we've got no money, we can't do it anymore, or something goes on, Kickstarter can't do anything about it. No, because um, all you did was just essentially, you backed it. You yeah. didn't, you didn't pay for anything, product. you just backed it. You backed it for them to bring you, and yeah. uh, for backing it, they will give you the product. Yeah. And that's one of the sort of downsides of Kickstarter, because I've learned to my detriment, uh, again, tech, I, I would really warn off buying tech off Kickstarter because I've had a drone off Kickstarter, uh, which was what was definitely not what it turned out. One, it was late, and two, it was the shittest drone I've ever had in my life. Well, that's the thing. I mean, tech for me, you never trust version 1.0. Yeah, it was and shit. I mean, a Kickstarter project is essentially version 1. Point, even version 0.9, to be fair. So, yeah, never buy tech. I mean, I backed uh, Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, the big narrative board game based on the world's darkness and vampire. And it took three, over three years to arrive. And I just went for the core box and I didn't go all in because that was hundreds of pounds, which I don't have. But I backed it, yeah, it sounds a really good idea. And the people that kind of backed all the additional stuff like the expansions and also the special metal dice, the metal dice were printed incorrectly. Uh, so you can't use it like the, the dice are only meant to have five anks on yeah. it. Like, so you give it a 50-50 pass rate for each dice. The metal anks came, so the metal dice came with six anks, making it the easy mode essentially. And yeah, that was the, uh, the errata page for Vampire the Basket Chapters. It's three sides of A4. Oh man, yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit of a wild. It's gonna be a bit of a wild west. Yeah. And that's why I sort of kind of I start to lean towards more established Kickstarters. 
Um, to be honest, I've even left off Kickstarter and said, you know what, especially for a board game, I'm going to wait until it's up on the shelves. The problem they get you with the Kickstarters, and this is where they get you, because there's always Kickstarter exclusives, and there's always things that you get just yeah. from the Kickstarter. But I want to play the game. Now, if I would have to, if, to play the game, I have to buy the game plus the extras, then the core game should be in it and of itself playable and with a beginning, middle, and end, especially with narrative games. But when you get all the additional stuff and why do you need that, what, what does that bring? I don't know. It's like Cool Mini or not are very good at it. When, yeah. they, when they do their Kickstarters, they, um, <laughs> you get like, you get the main game, but then you get these click Kickstarter exclusives and then you get extra minis and things like that. And for a person like me who loves having like shiny things, um, there's like, ooh, all these extra shiny things. And I'm like, oh. Well, but I mean, like, think about the latest Come On game, which is the Marvel game. Yeah. Well, you had, like, one of the extras was a giant model of Galactus. Yeah. What did that mechanically? And it's not about mechanics, Pete. It's about having the big thing. It's about no, it's having, the, it's having it's a Galactus. It's like, woo, it's awesome. So what? Yeah. What do you mean, so what? It's a shiny thing. It's a, it's a beautiful this thing. This is where we differ. <laughs> you were talking about metal dice. Why? Well, you can just get normal plastic dice. I did. Yeah. I did. I didn't get the metal dice. Yeah, I'm just saying, but it's just like a, it's a, it's just a, a thing. And if it's free, or at least you know, oh, it's no, not going to it be free. free. I know. If, if, well, at least if it's something you know extra that you can get that you wouldn't get in the shop, then it's a, it's a, a unique selling point. It's a USP. USP, but it has, but it has no tangible mechanical point to well, it. Could be. You could put rules towards it again. I guess. Really? You could do. Well, I I backed a um, I, I backed a, a game called Dune of Arc, um, which again that uh, Mythic Games, yeah, and oh, myth, yeah. Mythic Games are a bit of a, a bit of a clusterfuck when it comes to their games. They do some really good games, but they always seem to fall out with the game designers and stuff. So they've mm. done all these games which they don't have the rights to anymore because. Um, something's happened uh, down the lines, and it's a shame because, like, Joan of Arc was an amazing looking game, had a lot of models. I was talking about scale, it's got smaller yeah. scale guys, it's got this massive dragon, it's got all these beautiful models. Mechanics are really good as well, and they fell out with the guy, uh, the guy who designed it, I think, or something happened, and basically. They, I got my, I got everything bar that like you were meant to get a, um, you were meant to get some additional um, material for it for the rules and stuff. Yeah. And you were meant to get um, an RPG with it and these other things. And I didn't get any of that because he, you know, they couldn't sell it anymore. And they've done uh, that, but there's been a couple of games where similar things have happened. Now, also, this, this will come to light on limited IP. I mean, uh, the Big Trouble Little China game. All right. That I mean, I love Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China. It's one of my favourite films, first film I ever owned. And there's a ball game in it, and I was very tempted by it, because it is apparently a very good game. But because of the limited IP, they didn't get the rights for in perpetuity, they just had a, about a year's licence. Right. And then now they can't make any more. Right. And now the game's going for £200 for a board game. Yeah. Not because the game is that good, but because limited stock, high demand, and people are willing to pay £200 for a board game. I mean, there was one game, um, Evil Genius Games, yeah. where they had like, their, their um, everyday hero system, and then I had kind of like, like sort of franchise expansion. So you had um, The Crow, yeah. and you had um, Owen uh, Pacific Rim expansion. 
Is that what we were talking to those guys? You yeah. were talking to those guys earlier. They've got all those sort of kind of games from the, the different... Yeah, different cinematic universes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, what happens when that license runs out? Because it will. Yeah. Because all the they've got a, a short-term short-term license to make a game based on that license. So what happens when it runs out? It's and that's yeah, it's that's is why I prefer games with their own universe. Yeah. Where then you can continue to expand. I mean, classic example is uh, Tannhauser. Right. Where that was kind of very much steampunk commandos versus um, third right zombies. Right. It doesn't need. A front, an existing franchise because it was just so iconic idea and you could expand it out with like you know, the various expansions and new characters and new settings and it was great I loved it yeah 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 but yeah there's lots of like uh, we talked um, you know there's loads of people with the RPG books and stuff like I would say there's probably more uh, RPG books around than there was probably yeah. board games and stuff and I mean again, looking back at the um, not free league um Nightfall Games, yeah, yeah. where they had their own IP, they had the Slay Industries, but also like um, some really gorgeous books, like set in like uh, prehistoric man, you have another one set in 1930s, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got the Stokerverse book. No, yeah. I do like the Terminator one, looks good, they, he showed me through some of the pages and oh. stuff. And that, unfortunately, ladies and gents, is where the audio for the podcast stops. Um, <laughs> we spend the entire thing fighting with the background noise and the announcer, and then when it all dies down, the audio stops for unknown reasons. But c'est la vie, that's what happens when you have technology, shit happens. Uh, but yeah, me and Pete just talk a bit more about Nightfall Games, about the beautiful artwork, um, a bit more about um, Kickstarters, and then go on about all the uh, the amazing guests that we're potentially going to have on the podcast, um, based on all the, uh, the cards and nice gaming type people we talked to at uk games expo so keep an eye out for that we've definitely got a long list of developers and interesting peeps to come on to the show in the next uh in the next year so uh please make sure that you uh, subscribe and download and do everything you can to listen to our podcast um but for that um i've been matt Geary. with me was Peter Ray Allison. This was the Geek Pride cast, and we'll catch you all later. Bye bye.